Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen, here with Louis D'Souza and Amy Blackford. Today is Monday, July the 27th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time, and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And uh, guys, I, I was just telling you before the podcast, I've been presented with a new kind of scam on Facebook, one I've never seen before, and I've played it through and found exactly where they were going with it, which was, it was definitely a scam. But somebody has figured out how to impersonate Floyd Mayweather, the boxer. And I'm, what will I they come up with next? <laughs> I don't know how they did that. I'm, I'm trying to figure that one out. I mean, that, that's a good one. Whoever pulled that one off and they got some serious programming going on behind it. So anyway, if you get the, if you happen to see in your Facebook feed, somebody, uh, looking like Floyd Mayweather giving away thousands of dollars. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Not really happening. <laughs> you, you get Don't a free streaming it. site, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it wants you to sign up for a free streaming service that you have to put up a credit card for. That, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's always a big red flag. <laughs> but it was interesting to follow through and see, you know, what was that all about? Okay. Well, somebody's come up with a new way to, a new wrinkle to scam. And you guys are both commenting the whole um, uh, COVID thing with everybody being inside. The scammers are really going nuts with that. And I kind of want to bring that up as an LOA topic because scamming is really about I feel powerless. I feel like the only way I can get money is by stealing it from other people. Yes. And yet there are so many of them who are doing it, and some make up very, very well. So I'm just curious to know what your take is. Why is it that – well, I think I can predict why so many people fail at it, but why are there some people who succeed so well at it? Because there are people that are – This is a sucker – Yes. Every second. <laughs> well, Louie, you said it perfectly. <laughs> Much more bluntly than I would have, so I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, you know it's a South African in me. I, I love it. But yes, like Louie said, there's people that just kind of fall for these types of things, and I don't know why or how, because I spot them immediately. And they, they've gotten very intricate with the scams, like really? you know, taking my SunTrust, uh, the logo or PayPal. And I just keep getting inundated with these emails asking me for my information. And guys, that's just never the way that you're going to be contacted for any sort of information. You'll get a phone <laughs> call from the establishment. Don't fall for it. Mon, you mean I can't get your telephone number? <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's funny though, because I mean, there are people, I, I have, um, an interest in following what happens in, um, IT, in the, in the IT world, particularly where scammers are involved in, and blackmail even. Um, one of the most common forms of malware attack is what's known as ransomware. And ransomware, they, they get malware onto your computer in much the same way that anybody else who does malware does it through, usually through email, something, some link you're not supposed to click and you end up clicking it because they kind of convince you to do it. And then once they get the malware on your computer, the malware locks up your system, it locks up all your files. And wow. then if, if you want to get your files back, you have to pay ransom. That is, it's, wow. It's like a computer hijacking. It's a computer hijacking. It is. And it's become quite the serious issue to the point where city and town and state governments here in the U.S. have been targeted with ransomware successfully. Wow. And these ransomware um, hackers are, in many cases, collecting millions and millions of dollars doing this. So it's a very lucrative business. It's very, it's lucrative to the point where I saw one article that reported overall, it's a $1 billion business per year. Wow. Yeah. 
Serious well, all, all my files are, are backed up in the cloud. So unless they ransoming Microsoft, um, I will I will literally rebuild my computer from scratch. I don't care. And that's often what people will do. Yeah. The problem for a, a government, of course, is some of those files that are getting locked up are essential government mm. records, and they're kind of at the mercy. Yeah. They haven't been uploaded to the to the the. The cloud, yeah. Or backed up in some way. Or yeah. in some cases, they have been backed up, and the locked files got backed up. <laughs> that wasn't so yeah, good. No, those, are, those are very clever pieces of software, I know. Yeah. yeah it's very, interesting very as technology evolves, seeing how also, you know, the crime involved with it is evolving as well. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those. I've been amused in it from, from right in the beginning to the fact that when I was a kid, we never locked our door. Most right. of the time it was open in any case, you know. And then, you know, slowly we had a lock and then a key and there's a very simple one. And then slowly got more and more secure. Then you got these little yes. lock things on the side and then slowly it evolved. And now they're digital and then they can be hacked too. And, you know, so it goes on and on. And on. I mean, amazing. when I was a kid, we all went out and rode bikes all day. No such thing as a cell phone. And, you know, we didn't go home till our, all of our moms are outside screaming and the, the, you know, streetlights were coming on. Yeah, right. You wouldn't dream now as a parent if your kid was gone for that many hours just out there riding around. Most parents now are not comfortable that way, which yeah, is it's, true. it's it's a sign of all of the contrast going on on the planet. You know, to bring it back to that discussion, there's all of this amazing energy coming in. And then there's also that contrast, that polarization of it. And what this has taught me a lot, because I don't like confining myself and limiting myself or my kids from wandering around doing things. Uh, so I've kind of now understand that their point of attraction is what's going to happen to them. Yes. So, you know, if I get them, like my daughter today, she said to my, my 12-year-old, said to my four-year-old, she said, she stopped and she was like thinking for a while. And she said, um, Eloise, Please keep your, please finish the contents of your mouth before you speak. (laughs) Instead of saying, you know, um, what's the negative way we'd normally say that? We'd normally say like, um, don't talk with your mouth full. Yeah. Don't, don't talk with your mouth full. Yeah. And, uh, so she, she was sitting there because she understands that she must say things you know, in a way of what she wants, not what she doesn't want. She was li- literally sitting there with this little thing. And I was like, must bring this up on LOA today because it's a prime example mm. of the kind of rejigging of your thinking that you need to put out there to, to get a different result. And, well, just uh, on your last podcast, you were talking about how we go to that negative thinking. It's almost mm-hmm. like an, I don't want this. I don't want that. Right. Instead of commanding and claiming what we do want, it is, it's the way that we're programmed from the time that we come in. And so deprogramming that is a big deal. And then of course, Louie, as you're pointing out, teaching your children, you know, the younger you teach them, the easier they're able to assimilate it. Mm-hmm. And that really is their protection. And so the more we train our children through fear-based thought is the more things they're going to have to be afraid of. And so it it is starting them really young with this kind of mindset that what you're thinking and feeling has a huge impact on what you're going to intersect with in your day. I was saying to my daughter that I spent so much time thinking about how to rejig these things. Um, And I learned slowly and, you know, and I know you're going to pick it up so much quicker. I just see it, you know, it's, 
you know, what I've taken three to five years to do, you're going to pick up in, you know, half a year. It's going to be easy. Yeah. So much easier. Well, do you have any children? Just to do not have children. No, we uh, (laughs) married a little bit later than Louise was comfortable having children. And, you know, it's something you really want to do when you're in your 20s and 30s. We were in our mid 20s, you know, having a teenager when you're in in your 60s didn't sound terribly appealing. So we figured, no, probably not. (laughs) Me me and my husband, we'd already been together 10 years and we both decided we shook hands on it. We're like, you know what? We're too selfish. We're not going to have kids. <laughs> I didn't know it. I was already pregnant. We found oh, out really? later. And that's when I was like, well, there is a plan beyond what we know. And <laughs> so we have the one. It was a one and done. And, you know, Louie, you've got two children. So that's interesting. Well, it has none. I have one and you have two. <laughs> well, it's I interesting like, because I like to tell the story that uh, both Louise and I, while we did not have children of our own, in a sense, we both contributed to children because yes. Louise, for many years, worked in daycare. That's obviously, you know, she had a like mother long time many too. times over, right? Yeah. And the two of us together formed an alternative school for children that's very wow. LOA-ish. That's very, it, it, it really leaves the, the kids free to explore whatever they need to explore. It's a very, that's very fantastic. edgy school. And we helped a bunch of kids that way. So, you know, we may not have actually born children, but we feel like we have kids. Well, you're contributing to children, and yeah. it is its own energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's fun. And Louis, you said yours is twelve. You're you have a twelve year old and a four year old. Wow, mm. your hands are full. <laughs> so it was it was interesting because <clears throat> my wife and I decided right from the beginning that we weren't going to use contraceptive contraception <laughs> in any shape okay. or form, and we were going to let the universe decide what's what's going to happen and what at what time. And that's pretty much how we played it. You know, we, we, in the beginning, obviously, you know, that time of the month that it's not great. I mean, there's good, good chance of conception. So you play the other games there if you want to slow down on, or, you know, whatever. So it was interesting that there was so much trust between us that there was no reason to play any of the contraception game whatsoever. That's fantastic. And we just let them come as and when, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if there were any at all. Right. Um, it it was uh, it was just really completely relaxed with us in in, um, in in an amazing way, you know. That's the best way to be. People that push and it's not happening to me. You're and, and I'm not going against this. If that's you know, there's a listener that's done that, but there's a resistance there. You're you're swimming upstream basically. Mm-hmm. So like Walt, you were saying, it's just the way that it ended up panning out. You know, basically. It's being, and when I found out that I was pregnant and I planned that I wasn't having any children, it was trusting, you know what, there's a plan here that is obviously for my highest intention that I don't understand and I'm just going to have faith in it. Well, it's also you had a prior vibration in favor of it. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened because yes. you did manifest it, you know. I so. love children. I write for teenagers. I, I'm definitely very much, I was a teacher for a long time. So it makes sense. Sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, while I don't know anything about your husband, uh, I would imagine that there's enough in common there that he would share a lot of the values you have. So it, oh, would, absolutely. it all adds up, you know, it yes. just adds up. Makes a lot of sense. Um, I do want to go back to that other topic that we started with, though, because I think it's fascinating. It's, it actually, in many ways, touches upon many of the, the big news issues that Louis doesn't follow at all, but that a lot of the world follows. Um, because... When you don't feel like 
you are empowered. And, and anybody yes. who's not familiar with, with the kinds of teachings we follow is going to very often feel like they are not empowered, like they have no power. Like they're the only right. power they have is the power that somebody will give them or they can steal it or whatever. Um, and to, to the point where people will actually try to steal each other's energy, not to mention their stuff. So oh, know, yes. people are very, very um, limited in their own minds by what they perceive to be their lack of power. So in that kind of power vacuum, I guess you could call it. Yeah. In that power vacuum, you get a lot of people who are going to, well, you get a fair number of people, not a lot, a, a small percentage of the population, but a fair number of people who will do whatever they can to steal from, from somebody else in order to get their power. That, that's, yes. just, that's what's behind all these uh, online criminal stuff and offline and everything else. And it's confusing to people when they're learning law of attraction because some of them seem to get away with it. Right. And the question that everybody wants to know is, well, you know, if it's wrong, how can you track something and get away with it? Well, they're manipulating energy. So that is something that you can do. So, yes, we have the law of attraction, but they don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So while somebody might be stealing money and getting away with it, do we know what's happening to them personally? They may end up having a car accident or something really devastating happening. I do believe that what you put out, you get back. Mm -hmm. And therefore, there is no escaping that law. So if you are constantly putting out a low vibration with negative energy, you are going to get that back over and over and over again. And so I say to people that are kind of wondering about that, just because they're getting away with it in one area, money is not the only thing that makes this world go round. And so it may seem like they're getting away with something, but you can't get away with anything. It's, it's impossible because it's the law. And that's how I look at it. But there are, I've come to understand there's two types of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. <laughs> and when you're a giver, you will attract a lot of takers. Mm. And so if you don't know how to shield yourself or to recognize when someone is a taker, they will, whether it's um, money or energy is a big one for me I, because I have such a giving nature, I will start feeling this energy drain around certain people. And sure. when that happens, I will confront the situation and let that person know. And we can either change the dynamic or not, usually not. And it, it's something that I've learned to actually um, curate very articulately in my own life. I don't tolerate it anymore where I used to. I would say five years ago, I would notice somebody was a taker and I would just keep trying to rework it in my mind and mm -hmm. want to believe the best in the person. Sure. But I came to understand, no, I need to believe my own my own emotional guidance system. Yes. That's what I need to exactly. be checking in with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's a big deal. Now, I imagine, Louie, because you're so good at this stuff, you, you this is probably a question you don't even explore. So we're probably <laughs> stretching your imagination a little bit. But uh, give it a shot anyway. What do you think? Well, there's many aspects I'd like to talk about. Number one is you got the robber and you've got the robbed. Now, the robber can win quite easily because if the robber is focused on getting your money, more strongly than you are focused in keeping your own money, then he will win. They or they or she or they <laughs> or them, they, they will win. So, um, yeah, I don't want to be a sexist here. <laughs> yeah, we're equal opportunity. There's women robbers too. <laughs> um, so they, they do win. And if they believe they can continue winning, they will continue winning. 
and that is the law. So there is no right and wrong. You may think that they will get their comeuppance. They will only get their comeuppance if they believe they need to get their comeuppance. In other words, I need to get caught. And my mentor often said to me, he said, the only reason a robber ever gets caught is because they believe they should be. Interesting point. That's an it's interesting tough, point. I like well, that. thing you mentioned before, that's a tough one for people, too. There is no right or wrong. A lot of people are going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on here. Of course there's right or wrong. I was taught it. You know, all the great books, all the great teachers. That That's a big deal right there. Well, it's their problem until they get their head around that. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just something they have to play in a mire of a dirty field of confusion because that's all it's going to land up being mm-hmm. until you understand there's no right and no wrong. It's just... It's just a, it's, it's a cesspool of confusion it, and, it is. and lack I think of clarity. It's just really a mess. <laughs> I think it comes down to also the intention behind what's happening. So you're sending out a signal like what Louis is pointing out. If someone is robbing and really enjoying tricking people out of money and having, and fun having a lot of fun this. with it. And you know, that's, that's why cat their... burglars tend to not right. get caught a lot more often because they take the money and they live the high life and they're always, you know, dressing up and, you know, right. stealing things uh, that are almost impossible and a great challenge. And, you know, the, they don't get caught that easily because they're not, right. they're not, they're, <clears throat> they're not in living in the gutter thinking about poor people and all the rest of it. They are just thinking about having a lot of fun. It's kind of the energy of the and the intention behind whatever the act is. It's going to determine what the outcome of that ends up being. I would definitely agree with that. It was confusing to me because I was listening to Abraham Hicks again and again, and they were never talking about anybody being wrong. No. Mm. And I was like, how does that work? <laughs> and then I started putting the pieces together <clears throat> bit by bit by bit, and it was just fascinating. It's like, wow. There really is no wrong, even if the guy gets away with it and he gets away with it for his whole life. If he kills millions and millions of Jews and then he, you know, dies of old age, you know, who knows? I always love when when Abraham will keep guiding someone, you know, somebody from the conference will step up and really want to focus in a lower frequency and talk about the other person being the problem. Mm. (laughs) Those are the ones that kind of always give me a little bit of a giggle because Abraham will always redirect that conversation back to your central point of focus and your own emotional guidance system and working Mm. with that. So like what you're saying, Louie, nobody's ever wrong. There is no wrong ever going on. There are stepping stones and expansion points. Yes. Right. Mm. The other thing you talked about, um, B and I like calling you B for some reason. <laughs> well, because it's on our screen. Just let it be. Yep. Amy, Amy B. B. That's my my Facebook because I have my Amy Blackford for my author page. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, you must send me a link to your book. I want to buy it. Your kids when book. it comes out. Oh, I'm I thought still, it already it was already out. Oh, cool. Uh, no, it's not out yet. You guys will. Be, I will definitely let you know. I'm working with an editor right now, and then the next step cool. is finding an agent for it. Very good. Cool, cool. I'm very excited about it. But you yes, what were you going to say, Louis? You, you were talking about energy. Now, you know, you got these vampires out there draining your energy, etc. Yes. So, um, the first thing that I would ask you to look at is, is there any limit to your source energy? No, it is unlimited. But how I want to utilize it is 100% my choice. Mm-hmm. And what I was finding from myself personally, where I am in my own evolution, is that 
it wasn't so much that I don't have an unlimited supply of energy. It, they would become too much of a distraction for me. And so it started kind of displacing my energy in a way that I just didn't, I didn't think it was a good use of it. Okay. So it was more of a pragmatic approach to it. So the way I would look at it is nobody's draining my energy. What I am doing is I'm allowing them to redirect me in places I don't want to go because that's yes. not where I want to be. So exactly. I am allowing them to redirect to take away some of my focus. And what I'm going to do is I'm not going to push them away. I'm now going to get clear on my focus and where I want to be. And I'm going to let them do whatever they want to do. They can try and yes. suck as much energy from me as I, as they want, because there is an unlimited amount. So let them go for it. But I am now not focused on them or it or my energy. I'm now focused right. on where I'm going and it's yeah. game over. Yeah. I like that. I like yeah, that I as, as I've kind of gone through this experience, I've gotten closer and closer to what it is that you're saying right there, because the more I would view it, as someone was taking my energy, of course, it would cause an emotional reaction within me and not a positive one. Which so means your higher self is saying, B, I don't yeah. agree with your thinking. Change yes. your thinking. <laughs> right. I, that's um, displacing it and putting the enter or the uh, power, them in the power seat, when in fact I really am. So it's more about where I'm putting my focus and just learning to redirect it when I when I feel like I'm putting my focus in a way that feels good then I want to keep doing that. If I put my focus in an area that doesn't feel good, then I move away from it. So maybe that's yep. a better way of, of um, wording that. We have a listener yeah. who uh, responded to this uh, little bit of conversation by saying, I think right and wrong are just judgments that we give to aspects of our individual perspectives. Nice. Well, they're completely correct. You can say something is right and wrong for you. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was beautifully put. And, and that individual perspective, you're completely 100% correct there, Chuck. Um, you oh, can I say, wonder if that's my friend, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck skills is the way. It's yep, started. that that is my friend, Chuck, that got me on the podcast. Okay, and I told all right. Him Hi, him Chuck. Well done. To chat with us. <laughs> Thanks for sharing too. We appreciate that. I wanted to also share something else. Louis will recognize this because it's from a book that uh, he and I have referenced a few times since you've been on the show. This is Illusions by Richard Bach. Yes. And Louis and I actually did uh, a series of shows on this book. So we've covered this material before, but it fits perfectly with what we're talking about right now. So I just want to read from Chapter 13. Now, you have to understand the context. This is a fictional story, story of um, basically the author meeting a very advanced individual and having conversations with him in the context of the two of them being biplane flyers, giving rides to people in cornfields in Iowa. Okay. And this is at one point where there's, they're stopped for the day and they're having a conversation um, after having dinner. And so uh, the two characters are Richard, Richard and Donald. Richard is, um, uh, has been doing a lot of learning up to this point. And Donald uh, says something to get the conversation going. He says, uh, where is it here? We are all free to do whatever we want to do. He said that night. Isn't that simple and clean and clear? Isn't that a great way to run a universe? Almost. I said, you forgot a pretty important part. Oh, we are all free to do what we want to do as long as we don't hurt somebody else. I chided. I know you meant that, but you ought to say what you mean. There was a sudden shambling sound in the dark and I looked at him quickly. 
Did you hear that? Yeah, it sounds like there's somebody. He got up, walked into the dark, and then he laughed suddenly, said a name I couldn't catch. It's okay, I heard him say. No, no, we'd be glad to have you. No, no, no need you standing around. Come on, you're welcome, really. The voice was heavily accented, not quite Russian, nor Czech, more Transylvanian. <laughs> Thank you. I do not wish to impose myself upon your evening. The man he brought with him to the firelight was, well, he was unusual to find in a Midwestern night. A small, lean, wolf-like fellow, frightening to the eye, dressed in evening clothes, a black cape lined in red satin. He was uncomfortable in the light. I was passing by, he said. <laughs> the field is a shortcut to my house. It is, Shimoda did not believe the man. He knew he was lying. At the same time, did all he could to keep from laughing out loud. I hope to understand before long. Oh, make yourself comfortable, I said. Can we help you at all? I really didn't feel all that helpful, but he was so shrinking I didn't want him I did want him to be at ease if he could. He looked at me with a desperate smile that turned me to ice. Well yes, you can help me. I need this very much. Or I would not ask. May I drink your blood? Just some. It is my food. I need human blood. Maybe it was the accent. He didn't know English that well, or I didn't understand his words, but I was on my feet quicker than I have been in many months, hay flying into the fire from my quickness. The man stepped back. Now, I am generally harmless, but I'm not a small person, and I could have looked threatening. He turned his head away. Sir, I am sorry. I am so sorry. Please forget that I said anything about blood. But you see, what are you saying? I was the more fierce because I was scared. What in the hell are you saying, mister? I don't know what you are. Are you, are you some kind of... And Shimoda cut me off before I could say the word. Richard, our guest was talking, and you interrupted. Please go ahead, sir. My friend is a little hasty. Donald, I said, this guy, be quiet. That surprised me so much that I was quiet and looked a sort of terrified question at the man caught from his native darkness into our firelight. Please to understand, I did not choose to be born vampire. He's unfortunate. I do not have many friends. But I must have a certain amount of fresh blood every night, or I writhe in terrible pain. Longer than that without it, and I cannot live. Please, I will be deeply hurt. I will die if you do not allow me to suck your blood. Just a small amount, more than a pint I do not need. He advanced a step toward me, licking his lips, thinking that Shimoda somehow controlled me and would make me submit. One more step and there will be blood, all right, mister. You touch me and you die. I wouldn't have killed him, but I... Did want to time it up at least before we talked much more. He must have believed me, for he turned inside. He turned to Shimoda and said, You have made your point? Shimoda said, I think so. Thank you. The vampire looked up at me and smiled, completely at ease, enjoying himself hugely, an actor on stage when the show is over. I won't drink your blood, Richard, he said in perfectly friendly English, no accent at all. And as I watched, he faded as though he, he was turning out his own light. In five seconds, he had disappeared. Shimoda sat down by the fire. Am I ever glad you don't mean what you say? I was still trembling with adrenaline, ready for my fight with a monster. Don, I I'm not sure I'm built for this. Maybe you'd better tell me what's going on. Like, for instance, what was that? Dot was a vampire from Transylvania, he said in words thicker than the creature's own. Or to be more precise, Dot was a thought form of a vampire from Transylvania. If you ever want to make a point, you think somebody isn't listening... Whip him up a little thought form to demonstrate what you mean. 
Do you think I overdid him with the cape and the fangs and the accent like that? Was he too scary for you? Well, the cape was first class, Don. But that was the most stereotyped outlandish. I wasn't scared at all. He sighed. Oh, well. But you got the point, at least, and that's what matters. What point? Richard, in being so fierce toward my vampire, you were doing what you wanted to do, even though you thought it was going to hurt someone else. He even told you he'd be hurt. He was going to suck my blood! Which is what we do to anyone when we tell them we'll be hurt if they don't live our way. I was quiet for a long time thinking about that. I had always believed that we are free to do as we please only if we don't hurt another. And this didn't fit. There was something missing. The thing that puzzles you, he said, is an accepted saying that happens to be impossible. The phrase is, hurt somebody else. We choose ourselves to be hurt or not to be hurt, no matter what. Us who decides, nobody else. My vampire told you he'd be hurt if you didn't let him. That's his decision to be hurt. That's his choice. What you do about it is your decision, your choice. Give him blood, ignore him, tie him up, drive a stake of holly through his heart. If he doesn't want the holly stake, he's free to resist in whatever way he wants. It goes on and on. Choices, choices. Hmm. Well, you look at it that way. Listen, he said, it's important. We are all free to do whatever we want to do. And wow. That was really good. First of all, great accent. Oh, thank you. Free <laughs> time on LOA Today. <laughs> but it's a really a poignant state, uh, you know, just the, that reading and the point that it goes with what Chuck just said. It's, it is so important to remember we're all here to have our own experience. And that's a lot for people to get their mind wrapped around because we're, we're filtering everything through our own lens, our own perspective. And then we have all of these labels assigned and what's right and what's wrong. And that's where judgment comes in. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, the more you're judging others, when you're looking outside and you're constantly pointing fingers and judging, it's because you are not taking a hard look at yourself. No and that's why you're no. spending an exorbitant amount of your time judging. So when people get caught up in that, that's the first thing that I will tell them if they ask because I don't just give out advice or, you know, like I said, I call it my insight. If somebody You're free to do that if you wish. Yeah. <laughs> I give out uh, advice all the wish. time. I just don't care if they take it. <laughs> Absolutely. But when you spend a lot of time judging, it's because you're really not taking that look in the mirror and looking at the things about yourself that need, need to be addressed just so that you can evolve. I mean, for so, me, so B, I if love we, if looking we, at the things I need to change now. If, if we break down what looking at yourself means, and I would say the first step to doing that is understanding the rules to the game of life. Yes. Once you understand the rules to the game of life, you can start understanding yourself. Absolutely. Because you're just and a player in the game. But if you don't understand the game. Exactly. It's like you, <laughs> you go out and you buy some monopoly and you put it out on the table and everybody sits around and there's no rules. And how do you play that game? Right. Any I really which way like you want, that throw analogy. Around. That's you a know, brilliant one... analogy, Louie. Okay. <laughs> we played a lot of games when I was growing up and I didn't realize what I was doing, but I kept looking to each game to be a model for how life works and none of them were. It was just amazing. <laughs> to me. None of them mirrored what the way life works. I'm thinking, well, 
well, this this game isn't work. This is game is useless. This doesn't tell me what I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that is so. Because funny. I was looking for the rules of the game of life. Louis spent a good portion of his youth looking for the rules of the game of life. I've spent my entire life, and I'm still looking to gain yeah. great clarity <laughs> on it. Because well, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. That that's what gives me the greatest passion is getting greater clarity on why the hell I'm here. You know. Yes. When when I was I don't know if I told this on the last show, but you know, when I was at school, I got a mediocre report from the first year to the last year. Pretty much every single teacher said, Louis can do better. And, you know, all I ever wanted was somebody to teach me, why am I here? Then I'll study your maths, history, <laughs> biology, science, wow. and everything else. But you didn't tell me why I'm here. So I'm just sitting there saying, you know, when you tell me why I'm here, I might start Then listening. I'll figure the rest of this other stuff out <laughs> pretty much pointless. Because it's the core basis program. You know, if you don't have your operating system, talking to your BIOS, who, who talks to your hard drive, um, talks to your CPU, <laughs> you know, if you don't have the right order of stuff involved there, you, you, it's just broken. You've got a machine that doesn't work very well. Yes. I, I think for me, the perspective that I've come to, because even me with my writing, with my books, that's not why I'm here. That's what I do. These are different things that I do. And I know that's going to evolve and change. You know, I do lots of different things. So I no longer try to identify who I am with what I'm doing. I feel like this is going to sound maybe even a little flat that I'm just here to gather information and experience to feed back to my higher self. It's just another lifetime. It's another identity. It's another perspective. And I feel like, um, I kind of told Walt I wanted to dip into dreams maybe a little bit because I, I feel like I'm not actually dreaming that I'm when I shut down here, I'm now looking through the lens of different lives that I'm living. And sometimes the dream will go through a lot of different lives. So when I wake up, it doesn't make any sense. It's like a bunch of movies mashed together. But then there are nights where I will wake up, something will startle me in that reality I'll wake up in bed here. I'll go back to sleep. It will literally start right where I left off and it will continue to do that through the night. So I wondered what you, your perspective on dreams is because I don't actually think that I'm dreaming. I think I'm traveling or looking through the lens of other identities that I have. So I don't know if you remember, I was talking about out of body experiences yes. and I pointed out to world that you don't actually leave your body all you're doing is you're changing your vibrational level or you're tuning into a different station. Yeah. So as you change your vibrational level, um, you pick up different information. So if you know the frequency of something, if you want to really focus on some of your past lives, then you're tuning into the frequency, which you have intimate knowledge of. Yes. Okay, your higher self lived it, so it knows what radio station you can go to. Right. So you can tune into there, but, you know, you've got to ask yourself, what is the value of it? You've got a lot of pictures in this lifetime. Right. Do you need more pictures of other lifetimes? Is it really, where's the value in it? So, okay, so I was, died under an avalanche so i died under a whole bunch of snow i suffocated and therefore i've got claustrophobia in this lifetime mm -hmm. i have that lifetime i become aware that i had that i was 
died under an avalanche. Therefore, I can now relate it to this lifetime and my problems I have here. And then I release that and then I move forward. Yes, there is an element of that, but none of that's overly necessary because you already in that lifetime have created your vortex of everything you want and you carry that over to this lifetime. Right. So if you just going into your vortex and saying, where am I now? Where am I going? What do I want? Um, and, and as you play with the contrast, you start chiseling away at this, you know, I don't only want a, a rich man. I want a handsome rich man. <laughs> right. I want a handsome rich man with black hair. I don't want to chisel jaw. You know, if he doesn't have that jaw, I don't want to. <laughs> and so you go on and you get clearer and clearer and clearer on what you want. And so you slowly learn the lifetime I'm in now, I'm learning the law of attraction. I'm learning how to manifest these things that are in the vortex with greater clarity, ease, and consistency. So, right. You're learning the the physical reality game through the law of attraction and how hmm. to operate within this field. For me, I don't really worry about past lives or think too much about that. There have been specific times in my life that I have connected with other aspects of my identity where information will come through and I channel, and I told you that but it has a direct correlation with a question or something that's happening here that gives me greater clarity here. So it's, it's tapping into um, my all knowing wisdom or information that I've gathered from other lives lived. And then it's a really powerful tool, but yes, I think there are some people that become addicted almost to knowing you've lived so many of them and, you forget for a reason because you need this fresh perspective. Yes. And so you don't want to convolute it too much. Because mm. the stream was saying, saying to me, uh, was answering one of the questions that I was going to ask just before I asked it, uh, which I liked. So there was, <clears throat> I was always wondering why we came into this life without the rules to the game of life. You know, it's like, why, why do we come into this life without the rules to the Monopoly game? You know, I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. And he said, well, it's to, to, to mix up the contrast so that you have more contrast in your life. If you're all perfect manifestors when you arrive and everything is perfect, then, you know, you don't get as much contrast. You, you, and I started to really see that. It, you know, a friend of mine was saying to me, you know, Louis, you're not, you're not what you're talking about is not very spiritual. <laughs> I said, it's not? Okay. I said, um, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, you're talking about manifesting cars and money and other things. I said, okay, um, there's two things I want to say to you. Number one is, don't you want more love in your life? Isn't that a want? Don't you want a greater connection with source? Don't you want a greater um, uh, experience of uh, compassion, etc.? So, so. I'm talking about a car because it's easier to describe, but it could be anything. Absolutely. It could be whatever you want. And each individual has got a unique want. So, you know, you also want to know how to manifest that perfect loving relationship, you know? So it's what you want. It's in the bank and you, you want to manifest it. So then, then I said to them, were you spiritual before you came into this life? And they looked at me and they went, Hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. I said, will you be spiritual <coughs> when you die? And they said, well, yeah. So I said, why bother coming here if you just want to be spiritual? That's right, you focus. already are. <laughs> you already are spiritual. There's right. the, the, that, that's not why you came here. You came here to play with contrast. Yes. 
And it was like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right. Um, mm, don't know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, there is there is a huge community where if you want anything material, that's not considered spiritual, but that's just a belief. It's just a perspective. It's definitely not one that I align with. Um, I think whatever you want, whatever you desire is yours to desire. You have that desire for a reason. If I want that loving relationship with that beautiful woman, she only likes guys that are rich. So I better go. I find out how to play that game too. <laughs> isn't it interesting though? How, Everything's how, linked. It's, it how really is linked. Think, they are. And, and, and isn't it interesting how when people, um, are trying to get into this idea of right and wrong of rules and so forth. Um, when we don't know what the rules of the game are, we try to make them up because, right. well, we feel like there have to be rules. Okay. So what are they? You know, Louis has been asking all his life. I, I, I hadn't been figuring out very successfully for most of mine. Only in the last few years did I finally start to make any sense of it at all. And you mentioned Amy that you weren't even interested in, in looking much at past lives. Somebody brings up past lives to me. I say, Okay. You know, I, I have no connection to it at all. The closest I've come to a connection is one of the Friday shows where Linda Armstrong was, was demonstrating energy work and kind of work that she does. And so I was her subject and she made some reference to how she was sensing something from my past life. And my reaction was the same one as, as it always is. Okay. <laughs> I didn't right. know what to do with it. What do you do with that information? Well, I don't what know. you do with it, um, Walt is you say, well, that's your reality. It's not mine. Yeah, right. That's what I say to all those kind of things that other people, um, I, I bumped into this lady once and it was quite fascinating because I was 22, 23, well, from 22 till about 25 or six, well, all the way to 27. Um, I knew this lady quite, quite well. And every time I saw her, she blushed and she went absolutely crimson every single time for year month and i was like what's this all about and she said i don't really know i just feel something you know maybe sexual or something around you and i just don't understand i don't know where it comes from and, and i said well okay you know and i was thinking like how do i deal with this and i was going through all this trauma and and then eventually i said well it's actually not my problem it's got nothing to do with me right and then she had a past life where she realized that we were lovers and all the rest of it and then after that just turned. She never had any more problem with me. It was game over. Right. So for so, some, but people, it had nothing really to do with me. And I just, I, I, you know, I had, I had to come to that place where I said, well, it's your stuff. You deal with it. Bye. I and actually I'll be, don't. Yeah, I'll enjoy watching your red face. It's curious. That's <laughs> it. You know, it's, it's game over. You know, there's, there's nothing much I could do about it. I think there's all different ways that we can investigate who we are and, and, you know, what we want here and try and figure it out. So as long as. I probably could have figured it out for myself because I'm, I believe we probably were lovers in a past life. Right. And, but I, I wasn't curious enough. It wasn't my want. It wasn't what is in my Right. Vortex. It was hers. Right. It was hers. It was hers. Yeah. I understand that completely. So I think as long as you are having fun with what you're doing, I'm a big proponent of that. If it's feeling good, like when I channel and I record it and I just get this download of information that just, it really blows my mind. I have such a good time listening to this information, applying it to my life. I do card readings on myself. There's all sorts of different ways that I'm playing with the energy, the law of attraction. Games that you can play with. And there's loads yeah. of them. Mm. Oh, it's so much fun. And for me, that is 
the greatest spiritual quest is having a good time, enjoying what I'm doing, and then seeing my own personal growth in the process. You know, I really enjoy that you're enjoying doing it to yourself. Yes. It's, and, you know, I know that people play the game that I want you to do it for me, hmm. but it's not something I can do. I can't go to a card reader, etc., because I've always said, I want to know how to access that information. Yes. I don't want you to access it for me. That's yes. just a waste because when you're not around, what do I access, you know? It actually um, started when me and my higher self first started communicating. I would get this charge of energy when I would touch a book and open it to a certain page and get directed to certain words. So it started in that way before I ever heard the voice. And basically I have different decks of cards. So I don't just use a tarot deck. I've got one from the Don Miguel Ruiz, the Four Agreements book. I've got um, a Native American deck with the totem animals. And I take one card out of each deck and I touch them. And I do do readings for very close friends of mine, but they actually touch the cards and tell me which cards. And when you put them all together, it absolutely amazes me the messages that I get and how in alignment they are with what is going on in my life at that time. So I do, I have a lot of fun with it, but no, I don't go to someone else to have a reading and I don't ask anyone to channel for me. It's just something that I do for myself. And um, I really just have such a good time with it because it's always very spot on. And it amazes me because it's another way of me getting to communicate with this energy that's, you know, a part of me. There is something more fun about doing it yourself, though. I, I definitely buy into that because I remember one time my sister gave Louise and I a gift for, I don't know, Christmas, I think it was, uh, to have a reading by a psychic. And so we went through the reading and so forth. And I can't say I was really enthusiastic going into it, but, you know, hey, you never know what's going to come out of it. So I, I, I waited to see what would come out of it. The, the biggest piece of information that I got was apparently Louise and I have spent about 1,359 lives together. That was interesting, but, you okay. know, again, I wasn't sure what to do with that one. <laughs> and, and when all was said and done, it, I mean, it was, it was an interesting experience talking to this person, and she had some stuff to say and interesting stuff. Um, but it didn't really connect I didn't yeah. feel it. Inside. Yes. And so it just didn't really stick. I, I remember another time having a kind of an on the spot reading, not a paid reading, just somebody who was psychic, who my sister knew. Mm -hmm. uh, we were visiting in um, Charlottesville, Virginia, the home of Thomas Jefferson at Monticello. Um, just outside, we, before we went to Monticello, we stopped off and had dinner with these two friends, both of whom were psychic. And one of them gave me a reading right there and then. And she said a few things that, Louise and I have wondered about since then because she made some very specific predictions, one of which has, has mostly come true, one of which was just shocking and couldn't, we couldn't imagine how that would possibly happen, and a third one that definitely has not had happened. And, and yet I can't say it was so much a resonance. It was more like an impact. They had an impact mm. on me, I think partly because she wasn't trying to sell anything. She, this is just, you know, she, right, she basically said, can, can I hold on to your glasses? Your sure. She held, she held on to my glasses and then she starts spewing all this stuff out. And I'm thinking, well, this is really interesting. Why is she doing this? <laughs> because maybe you had that question inside of you. And so you actually attracted that information to be delivered through that. And person. I think at the time I, w I was asking a lot of questions. So that would be true. I was, I was in right. a, a vibrational attraction toward having answers come from wherever. Um, there's, there's one thing I wanted to make very clear though, is that 
people who want to play the game of going to a reader, etc., you can have a lot of fun being Absolutely. read and reading. Absolutely. And it is all perfectly okay. And just saying for me, because what's in my vortex, I just want the direct connection. And, me too. you know, the people who go to readers, maybe they get that place where, oh, it can actually happen. And maybe sure. they can get to that place of learning to do it for themselves. So it's, it's, it's all right. You know, it everything is. is right. Everything's beautiful. Everything's um, my cool. close friends, I've done readings with Chuck. And my best friend, Katie, my husband, so some very close friends of mine in my meditation room. But again, they pick their own cards. I just put the deck out and I have them tap, you know, the left or the right. And we sift it down until they get to one card in each deck. And then they interpret it. And if they're having a hard time interpreting it, I will give them some sort of insight of what I think is being, you know, basically said. Because before the reading, I'll have them in their mind ask a question, set an intention of something specific that they're looking to get an answer to. And all of my friends, I let them keep the cards and bring them home and then bring them back to me after they've really assimilated the information. And it's been a wonderful thing to commune with my close people in my life this way, but they're really the ones directing the reading, not me. I'm I think it's also fun too that. under certain circumstances. I mean, Fridays, Linda Armstrong will often bring a card deck out, one one card or another. Yes. And it, it's become really fun. And as it has become really fun, it's really remarkable how dead on the card yes. is exactly what we were just talking about a minute ago. I mean, and it's card after card after card hitting perfectly exactly on what it, precisely we were talking about. It's that really mind blowing. It really yeah. is. It doesn't <laughs> blow my mind. The interesting like, thing oh, is, is cool. <laughs> the interesting thing is when you understand LOA, it's not that mind blowing anymore. Right. You now understand yeah. that you're putting out a want and a vibration of that want. Yes. And then the universe conspires to bring the appropriate information. Absolutely. Experience. Yeah. And I um, only do card readings on myself a few times a year. You know, so it's not something that I'm constantly doing. So they are so powerful when I do them. But yeah, just having that ability to channel and having an area in my home, I have my meditation room back there and I always have that sacred space set up so that I have some place to go to do this kind of work. And I, I can tune in on any area in my house, but because it's specifically designed for that, it's just, it's almost like I can feel the, the high vibration when I walk in that, into that specific area. So, so do you understand, well, how all that works? So you use the word I love and that's the word sacred. Um, you and Walter and I discussed that word because I wanted to touch base on it because it's to me a very important word. Yes. And what is happening is, when you go into your sacred space, you are focused on raising your vibration and raising your vibration in a specific area. And it even helps to have a specific time. You, you're sitting there and you're raising it and you go back into that area where it's already got a higher vibration built into the fabric of the ethers of the wall yes. and the, whatever else you've got there. So you're now walking in with a little bit, easier for you to go f to a higher vibration because the surroundings have already been raised up. And then you get to the place, you get to the understanding that uh, Carolyn Mace gave me. She said, well, do you use to meditate um, a candle or do you use incense or do you use music? And then she says, you know, if you are, then the candle 
is meditating for you. The music's mm. meditating for you. The incense mm. is meditating for you. And so <clears throat> you get to this place where alignment first, alignment first, yeah. alignment first. And then the candle may be nice because you're in alignment and you feel a candle would be good. Not you're putting a candle out there to help you raise your vibration. You're now choosing a candle because your vibration and, and, love, and everything conspires to, to want I you to I love that it. so much that you're saying that because I don't always light the candles in the morning when I wake up to write. I'll go in the sacred space and I don't always feel called to light the candles. I have to be in a certain mindset and, and my vibration already has to be in a higher space for me to basically illuminate that area of my home first thing in the morning. So it's really, I like how you pointed that out because it's 100% true. It's also interesting to me because uh, over the weekend, Louise and I spent a couple of days at the beach and uh, had wonderful time. It was, it's a beautiful beach that we like going to. And one of the things that I did on Sunday was I decided to to use a large portion of my day, which I did, to essentially meditate on the scene. In other words, I was concentrating on my heart, on my, my inside. I, I not concentrating. I, I was I had a focus there. It was not there was not really a concentration, merely a focus. I was maintaining that focus while at the same time seeing the scene in front of me. And sometimes I'd close my eyes and sometimes I'd open them. And what was uh, interesting and new, different, new, different, exciting, whatever for me was that I was getting something I normally don't get. I've talked before about how I have experienced aphantasia, the inability to create images in my own mind. Um, and in fact, most of my mental activity is abstract rather than image-based. Most people, it's image-based, but not for me. It's always been very abstraction-based. And it was one of those things that for a while kind of bothered me, and then I kind of let go of it. But it, I figured it would be kind of interesting if I could get, get images going. Well, as I was focusing on inside, as I was looking at the scene, on those on those um, occasions when I closed my eyes, all of a sudden I would start to see color moving, like motions of color like kaleidoscopic wow. type stuff happening and i was thinking well this is cool and then it would stop i'd say wait a minute why did i stop oh i forgot to keep focusing on my heart go back to the heart oh here it comes back again so i think i stumbled upon a way for somebody who's aphantasic like me to start developing the ability to create images in my mind now do i have full images of it no it's still a very amorphous kind of a thing but i figured but you're, hey you're opening that forward. channel right? yeah yeah, I love it. It was fun. It was enjoyable. Like, wow. See, I... you use the word opening your channel. It's a very common term. Um, because of the understanding of the Abram Hicks now, I'm, I'm really leaning towards the, the words tuning into a different vibration, tuning into a different TV station, radio station, a different vibration. And it really seems to resonate so much more with me than the old words that um yes i love the the analogy of the radio dial and tuning into different frequencies it's it's a great one you kind of feel when you're looking at that image you kind of feel very centered and then just shifting that because i've experienced out of body so many times you you really feel that that difference in vibration so you, yes. you really know that it's a vibrational shift in you. And as you are looking out into the world with that different vibration, you see different things. Yes. It's just the I way it is. I would love on one of these shows for us to talk more about 
the out-of-body experiences that we've had, just some stories, because I have some really good ones, and I'm sure you do too. Um, <laughs> Walt, have you ever had any experiences out of what they call out-of-body? Because I agree, it's really... I can't believe three months left. <laughs> yeah. one, one experience, it was in a guided meditation. It's not okay, something great. that I've been able to do so on So maybe own. next Monday, we could talk about that. I would love mm-hmm. that. Sure, yeah, we can do that. I want to share a couple things that were posted in the live stream, Chuck posted, I've enjoyed Amy's card readings and I've always resonated with the cards that Amy has pulled for me. And then Jeffrey asked a question. He says, have you ever used your cards to focus on asking for what you want? He says, that's a good alternative to doing a reading to pivot and tell the universe what you want through the tools you know and use. Do I use the cards to get what I want? I think he's asking you, yeah. No, no, I actually just use the cards for general intentions that I have in my life to see mm-hmm. where I'm at at certain stages. Mm-hmm. So just to get to have that check-in of things that I need to be looking at um, to change, to evolve and grow, and things that are are working for me. So that's okay. usually how I use the cards. But that's a great question. Yeah. And Je- Jeffrey says the reading yourself usually doesn't reveal psychological blind spots. I found that interesting. I've never thought of the concept of it doing it or not doing it. So that was quite interesting to me. I don't know what your opinion is. That is Amy. Um, having someone else read is a way of letting go of control. So you know, relief I and would, release, let go and let God. Yeah. I don't know. I would strongly disagree with that just because of my own experience <laughs> with my readings. I don't, I don't get told what exactly what I want. So the way that I go about it. And like I said, when I do channel, Things get said to me through this channel experience are not things that I would normally say to myself, meaning just some reality checks of things that I need to be looking at. So they're really my blind spots are being pointed out to me through me. So from my from my perspective and my experience, that isn't so. But I'm not saying that that couldn't be so for some. So you're saying readings usually do reveal psychological blind spots to you. Yes. My readings definitely are a mix of this is what you're doing right. And this is where you need to be looking at making some revisions. I find that doing a podcast accomplishes the same goal. (laughs) I love psychological blind spots. It's just amazing how often they pop up. Great, great questions though. I love that. Really good questions. And I think there's probably a lot of different ways to answer it. I think Jeffrey basically was, describing what happens for him reading yeah. for himself doesn't real psychological reveal psychological blind spot, but having that. someone else does well good you've identified a way to get to where you want to go that's a great thing i have never been to um have a reading ever my mentor once told me i'd have two kids and i have two kids so that's well, about the closest reading i've ever had yeah. <laughs> but they got it uh, right you know <laughs> yeah, I'm still quite amazed. I can't believe it's five o'clock already. An hour flies by with the two of you. <laughs> no, it is fast. Every Time flies when you're having that. fun. That's oh, right. Yeah. It really does. And, and we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to remind people that we now have the LOA Today app out there. Um, I want to pass along a couple of notes in case people have been experiencing issues. I have submitted some changes for both the iPhone iPad version and for the Android version. The Android version um, kicked up a little habit due to something that I fixed on the iPhone. <laughs> That's the way it often works in the world of, of software programming. Uh, but both of the uh, uh, problems have been fixed in the submissions that I've sent in. I'm waiting for the two to be approved by Apple and by Google. Um, one of them was about uh, the, the podcast would cut off after a few minutes. 
And that was because of a fix to the other one where I was trying to make sure that the podcast list would actually update. Believe it or not, those two actually connect. I won't bother to explain how, but they really, really do connect. Um, but both have been fixed. And that's kind of a long way of saying, so the app really is worth downloading. It's all fixed now. It's working properly. And we want you to download because that's where all of the go-to information is going to be going forward. So if you haven't done it so far, um, we've even, I've even figured out the simplest way to explain how to do it. And that is go to LOAToday.net forward slash subscribe. Because if you do that, it will determine what kind of device you got. It'll point you to the right place. It'll be the perfect page. And you just hit download. Couldn't get any easier. I mean, that's about as easy as it's going to get, guys. So, yeah, I'll start putting the link in um, to the description from now on, LOAToday.net forward slash subscribe. And thank you to all those who have subscribed. By the way, I don't remember who it was. Somebody, uh, I've been getting a number of, of emails from people suggesting things and thanking me and people who are using it, people who are sharing it. Lots of, it's exciting. People really mm -hmm. are sharing it, which is great. Yes. But one person pointed out that the controls on the player were a little bit hard to see. So I wanted to assure whoever that person was, I'm sorry, I didn't maintain a notice to who it was. But I, uh, this update that I just posted, the controls are much easier to see. So I think you'll find that to be a, a large improvement as well. So with that little announcement, oh, and yes, make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend, just like Chuck did. That's how we got Amy. <laughs> It's really important. People need this information. There are a lot of people who are ready for this one. And chances are you have a pretty good idea who they are. So, you know, that's what the tell a friend, tell a friend thing is all about. Chuck knew. Chuck knew exactly who to tell, right? That's right. I mean, he didn't have to hesitate or anything. Like, Amy, you're going to like this. Something like yes. that. Isn't that what he said? Yeah. He told yeah. me all about it. And I listened. And here I am. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. So. All right, guys. Well, all right. We're going to have to talk about uh, how, are we, how are we going to title it? We're going to title it out of body. We're going to title it astral projection. What's it going to be next week? I, I think the most common word that a lot of people are used to is out of body experience. Yeah, or out of body astral like travel. Okay. So we're going to do um, out of body experience next week. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. OE, man. <laughs> OE. All right. Well, thank you guys. We, we can, we can, we can also talk about how trans muted from astral travel to OBE. That's quite interesting, too. Okay. I love it. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. That's what we have to look forward to next week. It's going to be good. So thank you guys very much for all of this wonderful contribution and discussion. Thank you to our live streamers, and especially thank you to our podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.